your Locked On The Hockey Jets, your daily podcast on the Winnipeg Jets. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, 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 friends, and welcome to the Lockdown Winnipeg Jets podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. It's me, your host, Harrison Lee, an avid Winnipeg Jets fan and an online blogger. You can follow me on Twitter at HLLivingLoco and follow our podcast Twitter at LO underscore Winnipeg Jets. As always, if you're enjoying the show or missed some earlier episodes and want to catch up, be sure to like, follow, and subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform of choice, including Apple, Spotify, Google, and the Megaphone app. Subscribing is free and keeps you up to date on the latest and greatest in Winnipeg Jets news and analysis. On tonight's episode, we are going to be taking a look at a couple of different things, including some training camp updates, uh, some news about Dylan Sandberg, who does appear to be training and practicing with the Winnipeg Jets during the scrimmage camp. And then for the other two parts, I do want to talk about some of the upcoming games this week, which, you know, hockey is almost here. And we'll also talk about some of the COVID issues that have been springing up and whether or not the NHL season is actually a little bit under threat. I know that the starting date is uh, January 13th and 14th, which is this week. But to be honest, you know, with everything that's happening, I'm not 100% sure if it's all going to go through. And if it doesn't go through, let's talk about, you know, what this might mean for Winnipeg and who might actually join the team if that happens. Kicking us off, though, let's take a look at some of the lineup reports from Ken Weeb of Sportsnet. And Ken has been reporting from the front lines of the Winnipeg Jets scrimmage camps, giving us plenty of different lineups and comments from the players and team staff. The training camp scrimmage lines do look to be very similar to what they've been for the past couple of days. And the first line is Ayler Shifley Wheeler. The second line is Connor Stastny Line. The third line is Lowry Cop Appleton. And the fourth line is Perot Thompson and Lewis, with Veselainen and Cease kind of working in and out of those teams. I've given my thoughts on the forwards and the defensive pairings in a previous episode or two, so you can check those out if you don't know already what I thought. But my overall impression is the forward lineup is kind of okay. The major outstanding question for the bottom six is whether or not Janssen Harkins is going to be healthy enough to return anytime soon because he's missed another training session. It's his third consecutive missed training scrimmage, uh, and they said it's like unfit to practice, so I don't really know what that means. I don't know if he had COVID and maybe he's just... Uh, you know, currently in quarantine or something, but obviously it'd be nice to have him at full strength and healthy again because I think Perot, Thompson, and Lewis is not exactly a fourth line I want to be rolling into the regular season and any sort of postseason action with. Even though Perot is starting to slow down, I think personally I'd like to see Perot cop Appleton as the third line. I I do think that that uh, unit sort of needs to be split up just because Lowry is more of like a defensive fourth line center and less of a really good left wing. This is not an experiment that I really need to see again. And like, I, I get that Cop has played on Lowry's wing before, but I just don't really understand why you'd pair them together. I think if you want to spread out the, the talent and depth a little bit, Lowry needs to anchor that fourth line center. Cop is more than capable of handling third line duties. And I really feel like, uh, you know, Thompson or Lewis probably needs somebody who's very defensively responsible. Trevor is more than capable of handling himself, I, you know, from what I've seen and from what I understand from his past couple of seasons. But Thompson is definitely slowing down. And if Thompson is going to be starting in the NHL this season, he does need somebody who can be a really good dominant defensive center, somebody like Lowry. As far as the even strength D pairings are concerned, we do see Morrissey, Pullman, Forbort, Pionk, uh, Beaulieu, DeMello, and then Sandberg somewhere in there occasionally working in through the group A scrimmages. 
This whole emphasis on having Tucker Pullman in the top four does concern me a lot because I feel like Pullman, every time we've seen him in an elevated role, it just hasn't really gone that well. You know, he's obviously more of like a third pairing kind of defender, and I think at this stage we're asking a lot of him to carry that top pairing, especially with Morrissey who wasn't really a number one D last season. It's clear that Josh is struggling a little bit, whether it's his injuries and health or just generally the increase in responsibility and the fact that his partner is not exactly defensively attuned. When he had Jacob Truba as his partner, he had so much more chemistry, and because he was more of like a safety valve than he was a really active participant in all zones, I think it kind of gives him a lot of pressure and forces him to do stuff on the puck that he's probably not comfortable doing, especially with a reduced amount of space. Forbort Pionk is whatever, and, and Bolu DeMello is also kind of whatever, and I just feel like, you know, for the most part, I'm not really impressed with this D unit. I want Maurice to change things, but this is not really what I want. I want Morrissey DeMello as your top pairing. I think Forbort Pionk can stay, and then Bolu Pullman should be more than capable of being like a third pairing. Now, if Sandberg is actually going to be in this lineup, which it sounds like Maurice is kind of interested in seeing that, then personally, I'd be looking to move Bolu out. I think having Nate uh, become like your 7th D and Sandberg DeMello be your third pairing would be fantastic. Actually, you know, Sandberg DeMello might be good enough to be your second pairing even. I'm kind of surprised that we haven't heard as much about Heinola yet. He does seem to be in a bit of a holding pattern, and I'd be surprised if he doesn't make it into this Group A training camp sooner rather than later. I think he's still in quarantine from what I understand, but he also has to be uh, figured in eventually as somebody who should be a regular in this team. I know that that's not exactly the most likely outcome because it's Maurice and the Jets have a little bit of an odd relationship right now trying to figure out uh, who's in charge and whether or not we're actually going to see rookies in this team, but I definitely want Heinola and Sandberg to at least be getting some ice time somewhere. It has to be at a really high professional level, and I don't really know if Heinola going back to Finland or playing in the AHL is the best move here. Sandberg, I'm totally fine getting a bit more AHL time. He hasn't played pro hockey yet, and I think he has a lot to prove at that level, but, you know, Heinola has done just about all that he can outside of the NHL. I really feel like the only place he needs to be is playing with the Jets. No other league is really going to offer him the level of challenge, the uh, the timing and spacing that he has to adapt to, or the sort of high-intensity pressure and skill that he needs to get accustomed to, and these are all the only things that he really needs to work on. If he can actually get NHL reps, I have a feeling we'll start to see him dominate and become the true number one D that I really feel he is the guy to be. Sandberg, you know, I think is going to be a really nice second pairing defender. I'm not really sure if he has like high-end elite skill to be that number one guy, but I do think at least a number three or a number four D would be very, very solid. And if that's what he becomes, that's fantastic. I think the Jets would love that because they've got, you know, a couple of guys who are like maybe three, four, even five D, but they don't have a clear, clear, clear number two aside from Josh Morrissey, and they definitely don't have like a clear lead number one guy. So, you know, Heinle becoming the number one guy, Josh Morrissey and Sandberg being, you know, second best players who are fantastic in their own rights, and then whoever else filling in those rest of the gaps would be a pretty darn good NHL defense long term. I don't know if that's going to be exactly how it pans out, but I think you could actually do quite a bit of damage, and if they find a way to get Pionk under a reasonable contract and term, that would look like the makings of a really solid top four. But of course, like anything, it won't be tested until we actually get into real NHL game action. And speaking of real NHL game action, in just a little bit, we're going to cover some of the upcoming games and what I expect to see from Winnipeg in this opening start to the season. Before then, though, I wanted to tell you a little bit about the fabulous folks at betonline.ag. Even though the NHL season hasn't kicked off yet, we're already hot into NFL playoff season action, including some wild, wild, wildcard weekend action. The Ravens finally exercise their demons against the Tennessee Titans, while Cleveland is currently walloping the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
Time doesn't stand still in sports, though, and in just a few days, all of these teams are going to be facing each other in the semifinals for the conference title, all leading up to the Super Bowl in just a few weeks. If you want to get in on the action and stop sitting on the sidelines, place your bets at betonline.ag. They're the safest, most reliable, and most trustworthy online betting site in the business. Whether you're an NFL fan, interested in college football predictions, or looking for the best lines in NHL hockey, BetOnline is your one-stop shop for all your betting needs. Signing up for a free account is super easy. Just head on over to BetOnline.ag, and when you sign up, be sure to use promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus with your very first deposit. Again, don't forget to use promo code LOCKEDON for a 50% welcome bonus. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We are previewing hot NHL action that is upcoming, including what I suspect will be a few early wins for this Jets roster. Speaking of a few early wins, you should be subscribed to Locked on Bets. 2020 is mercifully over, and it's time for a fresh start with a few more wins. If you're betting this year and want more wins, listen to Locked on Bets with your boy Q and Lee Sterling of Paramount Sports. They're picking college basketball, football, and NBA locks all winter long. Subscribe to Locked on Bets wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Getting back to the hockey talk, we are looking ahead to some of the upcoming NHL games for the Jets, and it's going to be a bit of an early, crowded schedule for Winnipeg, and I think something that a lot of folks are expecting is, I don't know, a lot of defensive issues. Now, the good news for the Jets is that I don't think most of the opening teams are going to be too much trouble. Opening night against the Calgary Flames, uh, actually a day later than the rest of the league, uh, is going to be this Thursday at 8 p.m. I think that's 8 p.m. my time. And so I'm expecting a pretty interesting showing from the Jets. I think Winnipeg for a long time has, I don't know, been a little bit underwhelming against a team like Calgary. Depending on which version of the Flames we've seen, Calgary has given the Jets a lot of fits. Last year, though, we started to see the the Flames look a little bit mediocre, and it actually wasn't that hard to douse them. People will point to the postseason run and say, well, you know, the Flames ousted the Jets pretty quickly, but to be honest, it was mostly down to luck. I think the Flames weren't really playing particularly great hockey, and so it wasn't super shocking that they didn't last very long in the postseason because they beat up on a really weak Jets team that they basically took out Mark Scheifele and eliminated a huge part of the even strength and power play offense. But they didn't really control too many of the games against the Jets. In fact, Winnipeg was either at even strength, roughly the same as the Flames, or even better. So I look at this Flames team and I'm not super worried. I don't think Calgary has particularly improved. They did bring in, uh, you know, Jacob Markstrom in that, which will likely be a pretty sizable upgrade over a guy like Mike Smith. But again, I'm not too stressed out. I think that their defense and the forward lineup doesn't really have a whole lot of depth. In fact, I feel like in many ways the Flames are are sort of in like a reverse situation of the Jets, where where their defense is kind of like solid, but the forward unit is really thin after you get past like the top six. The Jets have arguably a lot more forward depth, even if the bottom six for Winnipeg isn't amazing. I could see Winnipeg coming out of that one with like a 4-2 win. I think the Flames will hit them on a couple of really nice counters, but beyond that, I don't anticipate too many issues. I think the Jets have enough firepower to make it through that lineup without too many issues. They then have a few days off while they travel up to Toronto, and this game will be against the Maple Leafs, which of course is going to be a bit of an interesting one. I think Toronto is going to give the Jets a real good run for their money. That top six for the, the Leafs has always had quite a bit of scoring prowess, and even though defensively it's not exactly a, a resounding picture of strength. I do think that the, the Leafs tend to play a pretty exciting style. And it sounds like they've been focusing a lot on a very active, high-pressure offense with a lot of cross-seam passing. And if you know the Jets, you know that cross-seam passes and anything that kind of cuts you laterally is not going to be a great sign for the Jets' defense. 
Winnipeg has this weird approach of trying to control where the shots are coming from, and if they're doing a lot of cross-seam movements and things, I think that that's going to give Winnipeg huge fits. The Jets' defense doesn't really handle a lot of lateral motion well, in part because they get pulled out of position frequently, they don't have a whole lot of foot speed, and a lot of the defenders don't really have a really high level of play-reading ability to understand where pressures and issues are coming from. Guys like Pionk, who don't really have a lot of uh, IQ to essentially read and adjust to high pressure and high danger offensive opportunities a couple of steps ahead of when it actually occurs, tends to be an issue for the Jets, and I think that this is going to be something that the Leafs could potentially exploit. I think the biggest challenge is just staying off of the penalty kill. If Winnipeg starts getting itself into the sin bin, you can kind of kiss those playoff hopes goodbye. The Jets are going to have a lot of issues trying to contain that Maple Leafs offense as it is at even strength. Imagine trying to shut down that power play unit with Matthews, Nylander, whoever else they put on there. It's going to be freaking rough, dude. And that being your second game to open the season could be a little bit of a test for the Jets. I think Winnipeg is going to have not too, too many difficult games throughout the season, but against the Leafs, anything is going to happen and be possible. I could see the Jets maybe squeaking out like a 4-3 win, but I, I think like a 4-2 loss is probably more likely. Winnipeg then just makes a short trip out to Ottawa land, which is going to be, you know, three games against the Sens throughout most of the week, and I don't really expect the, the Sens to be much of a challenge. I think Ottawa's roster is very poor. They haven't done much to upgrade it, and aside from some acquisitions of a couple of NHL-caliber players, they really didn't do anything in terms of getting actual high-end talent into the roster. Now, I don't think that the Jets are going to sweep the series, but, you know, two out of three games, uh, winning by a comfortable goal margin, I wouldn't be shocked. I think Ottawa has a really tough test, and I think that that roster, as as thin as it is and as lacking in high-end talent as it is, will be something of a, a struggle for the Sens to generate much of anything against the Jets. I think Ottawa doesn't really have many power play capable forwards, they don't have many even strength players, they don't have many great defenders, so... Yeah, I don't really know what the Sens are going to do, and they've got Matt Murray in net. I don't think Murray is particularly great, and I can't imagine him really shutting down Winnipeg after he's had some really porous performances against them when he was a member of the Penguins. He's playing behind an even worse defense than he was in Pittsburgh, so yeah, going to be rough goings for him. To close out the week, we're going to have the Oilers against the Jets, which I think is going to be interesting. Edmonton is one of those teams that for me feels very hit or miss. Sometimes when, you know, Edmonton's got their power play rolling and McDavid is at his best, I think that that team has a lot of potential, especially on the counter. And of course, Dreisaitl can't be missed either, but I don't know. That team, again, has a lot of issues being really top-heavy, and the defense is, it's a little bit lackluster. It's not terrible, it's better than what the Jets have, but I'd argue not by much, especially with the absence of Clefbaum for the rest of the season, so... Yeah, I don't really know what to expect from the Oilers this year. I don't think that they're going to give the Jets too many problems. I think Winnipeg is going to be totally fine, and I expect Winnipeg to win, like, I don't know, 3-1 or 3-2 or something like that. But, you know, I just don't really get where the Oilers are heading and what their direction is. Ken Holland has made a number of adjustments and tweaks, but I feel like the team as a whole doesn't really feel like it's pushing in a direction where I immediately understand the long-term vision. It seems like it's going to take a few years to get there, and wasting away McDavid's prime years is going to be an issue for that team, especially if they can't find a lot of wing depth. 
seeing Puya Yarvi back in the NHL will be interesting. So hopefully, yes, he will get a longer look. And maybe we even see him do some cool stuff against the Jets as like an audition to eventually join Winnipeg. Because we definitely need more Finnish wingers. For now, though, that does wrap up our thoughts about the upcoming slate of games. We'll have more thoughts throughout the rest of this week as we start nearing the start date and looking ahead to some of the, I guess, additional weeks uh, as far as what Winnipeg might encounter and maybe even get in some early recap thoughts from the upcoming games next week. But before we close this out tonight, in just a little bit, we'll take a look at some of the COVID stuff happening around the league and whether or not Winnipeg is in potentially danger of, of seeing the rest of this Canadian season canceled. Welcome back to these closing thoughts of the Locked on Winnipeg Jets podcast. We've been doing some preview action and coverage, talking about some of the upcoming games for the Jets and what it might mean for their early season standings performance. I do think the Jets will be doing okay in the first five or six games. I expect them to get a couple of wins, maybe two or so losses here and there. I think it's going to be a very tough early going. We haven't seen these guys in NHL action for a while, and of course, that you know is one of the situations where you can't really help it, and a lot of it has to do with COVID. Now, speaking of COVID, four of the 31 NHL teams have had some outbreaks already. And of course, Canada was one of the latest approvals to try and get through uh, all of the different uh, provinces in terms of like their health codes and stuff and having everything uh, agreed to in place for the NHL to actually resume. And I think that some of the stuff that's happening right now is evidence of why the Canadian provincial health, you know, officials and administrators were a little bit hesitant to approve all of this stuff. You know, we're already seeing Vancouver have a huge outbreak. I think five or six players or something have tested positive. And the Dallas Stars have had to suspend. So I think we've seen already some camp cancellations and delays and different things like that that suggest... You know, the NHL doesn't really have a bubble system in place, and maybe that was a mistake. I know that these guys do have to travel. They're coming back home from holiday and, you know, a bit of a rest and a break, but these guys are, are going to be exposed to a lot of different contact sources, any of which could unknowingly infect them and bring it to the rest of the training camp. So I'm very nervous. I feel like this is kind of the precipice of a situation where these teams are traveling to one another in the Canadian division, and if they have even one positive case, it's going to be a real nasty situation. I kind of feel like with the NBA continuing its uh, resumation of the season, despite so many different COVID tests popping up and the rosters kind of thinning out, I, I suspect the NHL will probably do the same even if they start seeing positive cases coming in. It's going to depend on what like local governments feel in terms of uh, infections and outbreaks. I tend to feel like when it comes to this sort of stuff, I think teams and, and governments are going to have like agreements in place to try and you know isolate all of the infected players and keep them away from the public eye and also any sort of public contact. So maybe they try to get the season going anyways. For me, I'm a little bit concerned because we do know that COVID can have serious impacts on things like cardiac health, respiratory symptoms, and all that sort of stuff. So I'm not really feeling comfortable. I don't really get the sense that the NHL has done a great job of handling all of this. In fact, it sort of feels like they haven't done so already. And I mean, this is just, you know, squad stuff and, and training camps and scrimmages amongst teams' own players. It's not even uh, stuff against opposing teams yet. So once the season starts, these guys are going to have to travel across Canada and across the U.S., and for me, I'm just not really feeling it right now. I get the sense that, you know, with how bad COVID is and all of the new variants that are, are coming out and how fast some of these infections do work, I kind of wonder if the season is actually going to happen. I think pushing it back at least a week to try and get guys coming back into quarantine and waiting it out before they start playing and practicing again would be the best option. 
I, I don't know what else they can really do aside from like a bubble system to try and limit it as much as possible. But all of this is to say I'm just very uneasy about the upcoming season and I, I hope that everyone stays healthy and, and doesn't get sick and that especially goes for the Winnipeg players, but I don't know what's going to happen. I mean, it's going to be a weird year. We're going to see stuff we haven't seen before in terms of NHL uh, potentially game cancellations, postponements, all that stuff, because I think we're going to continue to see positive tests coming in and around these teams. That's as negative and as dour as I'm going to be about it, though. We do have the NHL resuming this week, so hopefully everyone stays fit and healthy throughout the next couple of days and weeks and months. We want to keep everyone safe and hope that they all make it through without any sort of positive tests. And if you're interested in hearing how the rest of the league is doing, especially as they prepare their training camps and whatnot heading into the season, be sure to check out Locked On NHL. This week on the Locked On NHL podcast, get ready for the start of the regular season with Sarah Avampato and the Locked On NHL season preview series. Previews of all 31 NHL teams division by division and who to pick up and drop in your fantasy leagues courtesy of Locked On Fantasy Hockey host Scott Cullen, are available every Monday and throughout the week. Subscribe to Locked On NHL wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And as always, thank you so much for listening, and have a great night. Go Jets, go!